Expats. I'm your host, Cinderella Field. Yes, that's really my name. Along with your co-host, Sandy Hunter. We are so excited to be here to share some insight about life, love, and relationships. So let's get to it. Well, hello, Sandy. Good morning, Cinderella. How are you? Well, how do I sound? I am. Well, you sound that a lot better. That doesn't even sound right. I know, but you sound a lot better than you did last week. Okay. So I just have to preface this episode by saying um, there are a lot of people picking up germs. And, and my assessment is that we got all that hot weather and it pushed everybody inside. So people started getting germy earlier than normal because flu stuff doesn't usually and cold stuff and stomach stuff doesn't start until school starts. Mm-hmm. September, October, somewhere around in there. Exactly. So we got it a little early and I have a really strong immune system, but. I would be willing to say that you have, you had the big C, but it's just a common cold, I guess, a flu. Isn't that where we're at with the variant now? Isn't it next to nothing now? Pretty much. I mean. I mean, I read up on the new variant called Aaron, I think E-R-I-N. Anyway, it was saying that it's the same symptoms, stuffy head, sneezing, drainage, tiredness, almost like the common cold. So, Well, I sound like when I cough. You sound like you've been smoking for about 50 years. That's what I was going to (laughs) say, along with being an alcoholic. Yeah, I really enjoyed myself not... (laughs) I didn't even get to have fun. (laughs) Oh, man. But anyway, I just wanted to tell everybody, take extra vitamin C and uh, is it echinacea? Echinacea is good. Yes, yes. Elderberry is good. Oh, elderberry is fantastic. And if you can find it in liquid form that somebody has made homeopathically, Mm -hmm. that is the best stuff ever. Yes. I wasn't taking that, though. (laughs) I will now. (laughs) Absolutely. Stay on top of your vitamins. Okay. So last episode, um, we got to go over your wonderful book. Oh, thank you. Which I just love. I think every girl, girl should have one. Every teenage girl especially should have one or any single person should have one. But well, you know what it's best for? I mean, like back to school right now, it's (coughs) best for back to school gifts. I mean, just to put it in your daughter's backpack or to put it in a piece of luggage, even to surprise her so that when she gets to college, you know, she has that to look through and not just that, but it's good for mom to have a copy or big sister to have a copy or aunt to have a copy to put on their nightstand to remind them that they have value and worth even in today's world that is so confusing and so conflicting. Ooh, amen. Now, they can get the book. They can go online. Yes, they can. In order. Good. Mm -hmm. I would recommend it. It's a wonderful little treasure. It's called Before You Lose Your Glass Slipper. So with that being said. Well, looking for Prince Charming before you lose your glass slipper. That's right. That's right. Looking for Prince Charming before you lose your glass slipper. Okay. So with that being said. 
Tell me, what are we feeling today? What are we talking about today? Oh, gosh, we could go down so many avenues, you know. Well, we usually do a lot of rabbit holes, but I'm just, I really just think that we need to revisit the whole divorce thing. I, um, after a couple of our episodes have aired, I had several people comment and your comments are important. Your subscribe and like are wonderful. Just keep doing it. Well, they're key. Yes. Um, just keep, just keep plugging away. But I had several people want to divulge, wanted us, wanting us to divulge a little bit more about how you slid into the divorce, how the divorce happened, um, what were the circumstances on some of the stuff you went through. I can give a certain degree, but that was 30 some years ago. You came out of a 27 year, 30 year marriage. Well, yeah, basically. Yes. Yeah. 30 year marriage. Mm -hmm. And, um, let's, let's kind of recap. Okay. (laughs) You look scared. (laughs) Okay. With, you know, like a deer in headlights. Um, I mean, you do know that I, I kept a journal and, um, all my friends that were very close to me at the time, um, EI 20 being one of them, um, and somebody here locally, and then a couple of other friends that were going through the same thing. And they wanted me to write a book about it. I said, I am not writing a book about divorce because first of all, I would not wish what I went through on even my worst enemy or the person that I went through it with or the person that they were involved with. It's huge. I just, I just wouldn't do it. And, uh, but I did keep a journal and I did have to see things that I wish I could unsee, but that's a thing about seeing things. Once you see them, you can never unsee them. That's why I don't watch scary movies and all of that stuff. But I knew, I I knew the person that I was married to from the time I was in high school. So we knew each other in high school and we didn't date in high school because I'm two years older than he is. And I mean, yes, we just don't date younger boys, boys. That's what they are at that point. And, um, so, but we ran into each other at a watering hole in downtown Fort Worth. And I had just broken up with someone that I thought that I was madly in love with until I found out he was married. And I had nice. been dating, I know, right? And I did not know that he was married. So I broke up with him. And two minutes later, I heard someone call my name and I turned around and there was the person that I spent 30 years with before I, I didn't anymore. And the divorce took three years. Right. Uh, he left the house and I did not ask him to leave the house, but I did say, if you leave, I said, you better take everything that you want because you won't get back in because this is, this was not the first time. Okay. 
And it's unfortunate, but okay, so he left the house and you think he was just testing you or? Oh, I don't have any idea what he was doing. Only he does. I I know the text messages that I have and I know the conversations and that we had before he left. And I have proof of those conversations, absolute proof of those conversations. And, um, and how was that with just conversations over text? I mean, we've had this discussion before about how impersonal text messages are. I mean, that just had to be an extra dagger in the heart. Our phones. Yes. Are so disruptive. I mean, in many, many arenas of your life, but it had gotten to, I mean, it's funny, you know, I, I wrote that book. I mean, most of those phrases before there ever was a meme on the scene back in 2003. Right. So, I mean, if he texts you out for a date, no need to respond. This, no, this guy is no communicator. So just move on. Well, if someone is trying to do a relationship with you or solve a relationship issue with you, especially in marriage, in any long-term relationship or really any relationship, I mean, that is a significant relationship, whether it's mother, daughter, or father, son, or husband, wife, you know, that sort of thing. You don't do that. I mean, you do do that. And to me, it's a form of disrespect. So I certainly didn't respond to it because, you know, I mean, I have, I mean, I still have literally, there was probably three to four I mean, that's what it looks like to me anyway, of messages threatening me with divorce. So I contacted, you know, I prayed, I prayed hard and I have a, you know, we had this painting that uh, was done and commissioned due to our 20 year anniversary and renewing of the vows that he planned. I had nothing to do with it. I I didn't get to plan either one of my weddings, which is interesting. Most women, you know, that's the day they live for is planning their wedding. And I didn't get to plan either one of mine. Six volumes. Well, and oh my gosh, this is so hard to talk about. I know it's, I can't, I can't imagine and you're, but we do appreciate because open raw feelings when it comes to stuff. So things that we suffer in pain. So we appreciate you because what you're saying is going to help somebody else. It makes somebody else feel like they're not in it by themselves, I think. Well, you've seen a picture of the painting. Yes. And the painting was titled, uh, it was a prophetic painting by a very well-known artist, the only one that I know of that was commissioned in the United States to paint one of the popes. She did it. And I, I was really taken aback when she called me and told me that the painting wasn't going to be ready. You know, I wasn't going to get it by Christmas. It would be more like my birthday and my birthday's in January. And I said, no problem. And I said, but why is it being delayed? And she said, well, 
I, I don't know what the deal is with you, Cinderella, but every time that I have spoken to God this week, when I do my devotion and I'm in deep prayer with him, is that he wants me to go back and redo the bottom of the painting and put you both in his hand. So I changed the name of the painting from what it was going to be to what it ended up being in God's hands. Wow. So I stood in front of that painting after this happened. And I, after I went to see an attorney, you know, based upon talking to a couple of professionals and a couple of my friends that had been through some similar situations that I'd been through. And um, I needed to protect myself because I felt like I needed to protect myself because I was being threatened by divorce from him. So I stood in front of that painting and I prayed really hard and asked God what he wanted me to do. And he spoke to me very clearly. And by the way, I don't hear voices, but I knew that it was him for sure. And what he was telling me to do did not make sense because in scripture, that's not what it says. And you know, God hates divorce. That's one of the things in the Bible that he says that he hates. I mean, he uses the word, yes, he hates it. And I believe that he hates it now based upon what I've experienced for the last six and a half years, first starting out with, you know, the fact that the person that I was married to for 27 years, we couldn't even have a conversation. We raised children together. We moved many times for his career. And I mean, we, we, we built five homes together and discussed other things and worked through them. And, oh, and we did marriage counseling. I I wouldn't really recommend marriage counseling now that I can look back and, and really, you know, see the forest for the trees. Um, because I think that people just wait to go in there and, you know, lash the other person. Well, right. And I think if, now, don't get me wrong, because, you know, my family is full of psychiatrists, therapists, and I think therapy can be good for couples when the problems first start. But I think when you wait till that's the only thing left to do, at that point in time, it's almost like the damage is irreversible. I mean, it's almost like a day late and a dollar short, you know, um, that's why I recommend counseling before people get married. Absolutely. I agree with that. Mm-hmm. You know, so they can, they can kind of have some coping skills and some tools to help them. Cause a lot, it, what I'm hearing you say, a lot of it is just complete communication breakdown and, you know, well, you have to be willing to see the other person's side of it as well. Sure. And I mean, I I think that for the most part, a person wants to be right. And I'm including myself in that, by the way. I mean, everybody wants to think that their way is the right way, you know? Mm -hmm. And, but the world in which we live today is, I, I mean, there's so much available as far as temptation is concerned to men that it's really not fair. 
It's a fallen world. I mean, we're born in it. We're born. Well, 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 we can use that for as an excuse. I know that. That to me, that's an excuse because. But there is so much. I mean, there's pornography. There's dating sites, and the dating sites people can get on. They don't have to prove that they're single. A lot of married people get on them because there are problems in their marriage or there's sexual addiction issues that exist within the marriage or self-esteem issues or whatever issues. I mean, people treat marriage today like they're in junior high or high school. Sorry, this is going to upset a couple of people or more, but they treat it like it's not a big deal. It's like changing socks or, you know, tearing the page out of a book Mm -hmm. and wadding it up and throwing it in the trash. As Christians, though, we know that it's not going to get any better. So it's not surprising that people do use, look at things so much, so many different factors. I mean, they look at it just minimal, like, like I told you last week about the Kids like, well, I can't wait to just get married and get it over with, get my first divorce over with. I mean, marriage is not is not taken as a holy covenant. It's not respected. It's like, we'll get married, and if we, I don't like you after a couple months, we'll just get it annulled. No big deal. You know, the covenant piece to marriage is not holy and respected anymore. Does that make sense? Obviously. I mean, obviously it's not, and the church isn't doing their job. I'm sorry. They're not by holding, I mean, nobody, there's no accountability anymore. I mean, I remember seeing a post that I responded to last night um, on Facebook and it said something about something. And I said, well, that's, that's part of the problem, but that's not all of the problem. The moral compass is dead and buried And I said, and no one holds anyone accountable anymore. So what do we expect to happen? And until that changes, until that changes, I I mean, I just can't accept the fact that, oh, well, we should just, you know, live and let live. And this is just the way things are today, because I'm sorry, but the church that I was raised in and even what I hear today, which is so conflicting and so confusing because it's not walked out by the people behind the pulpit or the people that are listening, is that God is today who he was yesterday and will be tomorrow. Well, if he hasn't changed, then how can we go around saying that it's okay to do what we're doing and it's okay to break covenants and it's okay to do what God says he hates. And, oh, I can't wait till we get started on the attorneys and what they do. Right. Because the attorney that I went to see, and I would just tell everyone, if you're thinking about getting a divorce and they tell you to bring all the financial records and your tax records and all of that stuff in, do not do it. And know the attorney that you're going in to see and make sure that attorney is doesn't have a reputation of taking advantage of people. Let's just put it that way. Right. 
So let me reference back. Okay, so to the picture as you were standing there and God, uh, so he said, really, Cinderella, who do you think you are? Yes, he, and, and then he said to me, my son died for you. He died for all of you. Wow. He said, I don't want to have to meet blank and say, I don't know you. And I said, well, you're going to have to show me clearly that this is you because it doesn't make any sense. And the next morning when I went to the bank, he did. And so I went to the attorney's office and read the check, signed the papers, and it was game on. But in the attorney's office, I did ask him this question. If I decide to or we decide to not do this, will I be able to, you know, stop it? And he said, well, of course. And Which so would I, make sense because of God not saying, you know, go get a divorce, but I, just kind of get out of my way, do what you need to do to get out of my way. Yeah, so I thought that God was going to handle everything, to be honest with you, mm-hmm. and um And he didn't, but I'll go into that part in a minute because I think it's very important to let the listeners know this. You do have a right to stop anything legally that you start. Right. But when I went back, within five days of filing for that divorce and asked the attorney to revoke it, he said, well, he already has an attorney. This was his response, the attorney's response. He already has an attorney, and he's already counterfiled. And so let's just wait until the temporary orders are in place. Well, what I found out when I went back through those papers, the court records that were filed, this all started on the 12th of March. The divorce was filed for on the 16th of March. I asked for it to be undone. I think it was within five days, five or seven days. I think it was five business days, something like that. Actually, he did not counterfile until April 2nd. What? What? That's quite a long time. He did not counterfile until April 2nd. So the attorney did not tell me the truth. And the attorney did not do what I asked him to do. And that's unethical. And I mean, it's a problem. I mean, it truly is a problem because who knows what would have happened. Had you withdrawn? Yeah, exactly. And even in court, because we went all the way to trial, I didn't want to, but I mean, it's a longer story. And that's why I started her divorce diary because I really want both women and men to know what is right and what's not right where the divorce industry is concerned. In 2013, based upon all the research that I did, there's a documentary that's out there. And it, it was in 2013 a $50 billion billion a year industry. Oh, I don't doubt that. It's got to be even probably higher than that now because we're at the 
highest of divorce rates ever in the United States. And guess where Oklahoma stands well, in the United States? Probably in the top three, I would be willing to bet. Number two. Yeah. Number two. And the only state that beats us is Arkansas, which is one of our neighboring states. And then Nevada. Wow. I mean, City of Sin is number wow. three. But the buckle of the Bible belt is number two. And you know what? If I had known that the divorce rate was so high here, I would have never, ever said, oh, let's move there. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I, I just wouldn't have done it. Right. But I think that they keep it like that because the attorneys and the judges make money from it. And the judges were attorneys at one time. Oh, yes. It's a big business. Mm -hmm. It's big business. And guess what? It brings in lots of tax dollars. Lots of revenue. Lots of revenue. And so when I questioned the governor when he was running for governor again in a public forum, he told me that it was the church's responsibility to do something about it, not the state's. Yeah. Well, I disagree. I think it takes both of them, but I know why, you know, somebody that's a proponent for the state wouldn't want it to be any different. I mean, that's how we're getting more tax dollars. So if we're number two, can you imagine how much money is being brought in in taxes and how much money the attorneys are making? I mean, my fees, you guys, it was ridiculous, okay? No children at home. Both of our children were in their mid-20s when it started. They're now 32 and 34. No business to divide. Just a pension plan, an IRA, and a home, furniture, things like that. And we went all the way to trial. That's crazy. Three years. That's what that's what shocks me. Three years. What can you not get done? To me, that's just a form of an attorney of attorneys just drawing it out. Cause you know they charge you for every time, any any second they're working on your case, they're charging you. Well, and they don't really tell you that stuff. So that's what I'm saying. It's just like, oh my gosh. I mean, they just have free reign, free reign, free reign. And then the guidelines for different things to do with the divorce. Like, did you know that we really, that Oklahoma is still considered a fault divorce state? Mm -hmm. It's an old law in the books. I think it's like in all the way back to the early 1900s. Well, you know what? I think that fault divorce should be reinstated for the it most part. It would probably make a change on, definitely on the outcome of some of the divorces, I'm sure. I mean, it would make it, you know, there was a time you went before the court and if you wanted a divorce, it was frowned upon by the court. And a lot of times people weren't granted a divorce. They were told to go home and work it out. Right. Well, that doesn't happen anymore. Happen anymore. And guess what? I have said also in the public arena, in the same public arena, that what really has been annihilated is the family. And until the family's fixed, mm -hmm. there ain't nothing but, else that's going to be fixed. But will it really be fixed? I mean, we have to come too far. I mean, how 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 do we? Obviously, our government doesn't 
I want to say care. Uh, I'm sure there are people in our government system that do care about things, but it's just so far gone. How to reverse that? You know, I told you the other day I was praying about things and um, I just kept seeing one. And we, even if we just make a difference in one person's life, that's all God. It all starts with one. Yeah. one. It all starts with one. Yeah. I mean, that's how anything starts. It's kind of like if you have, if your child is having a problem or someone that you care about or love is having a problem, do you just say, well, they're too far gone to help? Mm -hmm. No, you don't. I mean, this is the most important thing I do believe, you know, but attorneys should not have free reign over what to do in your life like that. I mean, and and this is what I was going to say. Even he said the day that he came to get some of his things out of the garage and I was told not to be here. I was told that he was going to send a sheriff over here and he did. And he wouldn't even let him come in the garage. And he said, as he drove away, he said, he said, I did not know if my marriage was over that day or not, even though he already had a girlfriend. So he left on the 12th. The divorce was filed for on the 16th. I tried to withdraw it the next week. He did not know that because I never answered his text messages and thought, well, he doesn't care enough to talk to me. So, I mean, what's the point? And then I've, you know, and then I can't, and then the attorney tells me that not to be here, not to talk to him, have him sign this piece of paper it was all very just seemed so starch and formal and was it was it initiated conflict between us right and contention that was just not necessary not necessary and i mean how do you overcome that it makes mean, you wonder if you could have talked if you could have been here when he was here to get his stuff if you could have you know, I mean, I get what you're saying. You know, he wouldn't even call you. He wanted to text you. But it, there's just a difference seeing somebody face to face. Well, know? and I, th- I think the I think the attorney involved. I mean, he, I mean, they know a lot about you know the psychology of mm-hmm. people, um, and when they've done it a long time, they know. And even the attorney admitted that I know that I had a heavy hand in this because mm-hmm. he did. But I think that it was the right decision for you. I mean, why do they get to make that decision? And why, when they go to court, do they go to court without you? And why do they go behind closed doors? Uh huh. In the judge's chambers to talk about your marriage. Okay. I know that I've skipped around a bit, but. I mean, I, I just, I, I don't understand why we do not have rights as a consumer or why the justice system gets to do what they're doing today. And I mean, we're just specifically talking about the divorce arena, why they get to do those things and why they get to post um, guidelines and statutes that are in place, like for alimony, for instance, and what the guideline is for that, that's a bunch of nonsense. And why do we live in a fault divorce state still, but you're told by the attorneys 
oh, it doesn't matter if there's adultery involved. It doesn't matter if there's this involved. It doesn't matter if there's that involved. The judge doesn't care anyway, so we're not going to use that. Just use incompatibility. Yeah, irreconcilable differences. Right. I mean, that's it. And that's just like, I mean, you know, people, we laugh about it in the church arena and say, well, you know, in the Old Testament, I mean, the reason Moses came up with what he came up with, and it was Moses, by the way, that came up with it, it was not God. It was Moses that came up with this because the men wanted to go and, you know, test the waters with other women. And so if you were burning the toast, they could say, well, I don't like the way she burns my toast. I mean, that's a joke. It doesn't literally say that. But among Christians in the church arena, that's what they... Well, let me let me say this. Don't you find it interesting that if adultery is committed by a military personnel, that they can lose their rank, they can possibly lose their job, they can be dishonorably discharged depending on the circumstances of the adultery. Now, why is that? There's a young client of mine that I have, and she's came to me the other day, and her husband is overseas, and she recently found out about six months ago that he had been cheating on her overseas. And she was just heartbroken and devastated. I mean, they had tried in vitro and all kinds of stuff. I mean, they were really trying to have a family, start a family. And his main concern to this day, she has filed the paperwork, but his main concern to this day is let's just do it as amicably as we can because if not, you know, I could go to jail. I could be court-martialed. Now, why is it that our military thinks so much more highly of divorce and what it means than the rest of the country? I don't get that. Because it's a form of discipline. It's a form of commitment. There you go. I mean, it's really that simple. No. I'm, and that's, that's the way God I'm, meant for it to be. Absolutely. I mean, you can explain what a covenant is probably better than mm-hmm. I can. Mm-hmm. But when you make a covenant between, I, I, I mean, People wonder all the time about my position as far as dating is concerned. Dot, dot, dot. I mean, really? Mm -hmm. What is a covenant, Sandy? A covenant is just a verbal contract that you make between you, yourself, and God. And a marriage covenant is two people going before God saying, we are promising that we're going to do these things that you've set before us, and we're going to hold to them through sickness health, good, bad. We're going to stand by each other and we're going to do your work, God. And those covenants just really don't mean a whole lot to people, especially our government. They don't. But then again, the whole military thing just shocked me because I just sat there and asked her, you mean to tell me that he's more worried about losing his rank and possibly jail time and all this because of an ad- of an adulterous relationship. And she said, yes. She said, all I have to do is pick up the phone and call his sergeant. And all I have to do is turn over these text messages and pictures I received. I thought, wow. Okay. Never heard anything like that before, but isn't that strange? 
But a covenant between God and a covenant between or a legal covenant, they're totally different. Right. Are they not? Yeah. So that's what I was asking is, I mean, a covenant is a agreed upon document, legal Mm -hmm. document that people sign when they do get married and it goes before the state and it's Mm -hmm. recorded and all that good stuff. Right. And then a covenant before God is between a man and a woman. It, It represents again, like a Trinity. Sure. You know, God is the head that delegates to those underneath him, the man and the woman. And mm-hmm. then if they have, you know, children, their family and that sort of thing. Right. So a covenant never ends with God. No, there's no breach of contract with him unless you are intentional with it. You know what I mean? Right. We do it. Mm-hmm. We make a covenant with God and he sees it forever. Now, because of free will, we have the option to break that covenant. Is he happy with it? Absolutely not. I don't believe. I don't well, there are consequences it. from it. Sure. Absolutely. And it's it's really simple. You can go and, and if you believe that the word of God is the authority, if you believe the Bible, which is the word of God, is the authority, go look it up for yourself. I don't have to tell you. Sure. Okay. Because I'm not God. Right. Well, this was some really heavy conversation and- Why was it? Let me tell you, no, it's nothing, nothing that's ever hurt us in our past is ever easy to talk about. But if it helps one of our listeners, if it makes one question some of the decisions that they're getting ready to make, if it helps, that's what we're here for. We're here to listen in, keep the emails coming, any questions. Um, if you have, need any information, just go to the website, Cinderella Chats. Uh, let us know how you're what you think of our conversations, anything you want to hear about, any topics. We have a whole list of things that we will be covering in the next few episodes coming up. So we're pretty excited about that. But this was a wonderful chat. This is a hard chat, but it was good. Well, it's only the beginning because I do think that some changes need to be made. And I think in order to make change, we use our voices and we stand strong in our convictions and we are adamant about following through. Absolutely. So that's all I'm going to say for now. It was a difficult conversation to have. But please check out the link at CinderellaChats.com. And within the website, there's her divorce diary. Check it out. Read it. Pass it around, if you will. And let's really start having a conversation about what divorce looks like. And should it continue to stay the way that it is? And should we continue to treat it like it's not a big deal? Uh, because, I mean, it is a big deal. And if you think it's not a big deal, I mean, just continue to live together. And if you're a Christian, I I, I mean, I would even challenge the church right now and the pastors, which train are you going to ride on? The fault divorce or no fault divorce? Are you going to live according to and lead your congregation by the covenant or the world? That being said... Sandy, it's been a great morning, as difficult as it has been to open up the conversation about that. 
And just know that there are three sides to the truth, hers, his, and the truth. Right. Until we speak again next Tuesday, looking forward to chatting. Life, love, and relationships. If you enjoyed the show today, share it with your friends so they can listen in to our conversations about life, love, and relationships. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Cinderella Chats, the podcast. Don't forget to subscribe. We look forward to our Tuesdays together and know you will too.